Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punkybrewster, that's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And today we're here to talk about the ninth episode in the eighth and final spooky season of Fear the Walking Dead, titled Sanctuary. 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 <laughs> we have a bit of housekeeping to do. We did very, very cool thing yesterday. I bet you don't know who the director of this episode was. <laughs> Well, we do, because we interviewed him yesterday. Normally, Philip McLaughlin is the editor for Fear the Walking Dead. He has been for since almost the very beginning of Fear the Walking Dead. He's been assistant editor for most of his life and most of his career. And Fear the Walking Dead gave him the chance to become a full-fledged editor. But last weekend, well, actually technically last year, when when he filmed this episode, he became the director for Fear the Walking Dead. And we interviewed him last night on our podcast, pre-recorded. And you out there, along with liking, we talked about this just before we came on. Along with liking this video that you're watching right now, wherever you are, commenting at some point if you feel like it, sharing this video with your friends and doing all the things that you should do, and of course, subscribing and enabling all notifications on our YouTube channel, what you should be doing is maybe considering tipping us or joining a membership tier at ko-fi.com slash guacindead or patreon.com slash guacindead because you can get the full unedited and it will be edited, heavily edited, because there's some things that he probably doesn't want people to know about regarding Fear of the Walking Dead or other things. When you tip us or when you join a membership tier at any level, even the Walkers tier, which is just a dollar a month, you will get access to the unedited episode recording, which is up right now. Don't go yet, because we're live with you right now to talk about this episode, which he directed. So consider, again, heading to Kofi or Patreon, at least following for free so that you can be in the know. And if you feel like jumping in, you can get that unedited episode recording, which hopefully we will release before we released the audio version of this podcast this week. I had a very nice time with him, and I think Bridget and Sharon D did as well. We missed Rachel, by the way. We should say we miss Rachel, and we yes, love her. Yes, we miss Rachel. Mm-hmm. We do. Bill's very, very nice, and um, I've been in contact with him for a couple years on Instagram, and he kindly donated last year to our Christmas charity drive. He donated a signed 12-pack beer from a local brewery by him called Zombie Dust. <laughs> I've won that six-pack. Yeah. He sent it to me minus the beer which is fine because he made up for it by having everyone from the episode this week sign it yeah you'll get a lot clearer picture of the of this in the interview once it's published signed by him and then on this side it's signed by christine evangelista austin emilio jayla walton and right here is jenna so everybody from this episode signed it and it's only until we interviewed him and talked with him about this episode a little bit that we figured out the connection because he (laughs) because you had said it you oh for some reason it's why is it Sherry? Why is it Sherry and Dwight and, and June and such a weird? And then randomly, Jayla Walton, who plays Dove slash Odessa on this episode, like why these random? And then we find out because they were on this he episode, was on he this was episode. directing yep. and then he managed to get that done last year or yep. well, the end of last year, basically. So that was really cool. And you'll get to see a little a better picture of that in the interview, essentially. Yeah, you don't get any it. more details. That's it. Well, That's all it's, just the, it's just the live stream here. It's not it's not the picture perfect quality. 
it does what we need to do, but um, we're glad you're here and thank you for coming. It is that time again, fam. It is Secret Santa time. I am not doing a huge blowout this year like I usually do because we're going to be working it into a charity drive also, which more details to come on that probably the next couple days. But if you want to be part of Secret Santa, which is so much fun, you get a character, you make a video showing us or telling us what you would get that character for Secret Santa. It can be something around your house. You can cut out a picture or something and you don't have to go buy anything or anything like that. You just make a video, say, if you got Daryl, you'd get him some, you know, bath beads or something, right? Or <laughs> yeah, some, some, some shampoo. I don't know. Some dog treats for the dog, not him. Well, I mean, he'd probably eat those well, too. But anyway, yeah. please message me, DM me, Blazy Gardener on Instagram so I can add you to the list because we will have an Instagram live one night where we assign everybody their characters. We didn't do it last year because we did a charity drive, but the past couple years before that, we did some really great productions, like a little Christmas variety show. It was really cute. They're on my YouTube if you want to go check them out. That's right. YouTube.com slash at B-L-A-Z-Y-G-A-R-D-E-N-E-R. Please. Because every time I start spelling it, I keep thinking B-L-A-Z-Y. And I like the Mickey Mouse theme song for some reason. And by the way, when you do describe the thing that you got for your TWDU character, because this has happened in the past, you should also provide your explanation. Oh, yes, true. As true. well. Not just, because not we've had just people here. go, here's a figurine of Dwight for Daryl for some reason. <laughs> and then the video ends and it's like, wait, what? what why though? Why Daryl? Why? Wait, why Dwight for Daryl? Why? Remember when Mitchell did... Um, Negan, and he was like, "It's unforgettable." You met, uh, we met. Remember me, Glenn? We met briefly. <laughs> we met briefly. It was like the it's weirdest. Still my favorite. It's still my favorite. Of all <laughs> what a ever. great first impression, Mitchell. Right? Who Mitchell. is here? Yes, Mitchell's, Mitchell's here. here. Yeah. Nice. Hi, Mitchell. And also our favorite Negan. background actor from Fear the Walking Dead is here. Hey, Jason. Jason Cohn. That's right. We mentioned a lot. Walking in the last Dead episode. Eternal. The end date for the drawing. I haven't set a date yet. I've only got about six people on the list, so I need a few more. Once I yeah. get a few more people that are going to participate, I will set a date. But it's going to be in the next couple of weeks because I've got to give you time to make your videos. Yep. Just DM me and, and I'll let you know as soon as we're ready to do it. But guys, stay tuned for us because we have a really exciting Christmas charity Holiday. drive. Holiday. Excuse <laughs> We have a really exciting holiday drive. <laughs> no, it's funny because before we got on, Sharon, he was particular about it's holiday, you know, secular holiday. Like, and then she but just goes like, off just and says Christmas. <laughs> She's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a no. holiday charity drive. Say sorry to yourself. You just, you, you, you were very careful about it before we got on. Stay tuned because we're going to be putting out details about that soon. And we're going to have some great prizes and hopefully some special guests. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's read some comments. Walking to Eternal said, and I like this comment because it's great. Thank you because it's a lot of hard work. Nice thumbnail, by the way. I like the word fear, how the word fear just pops out. Yes. And it's also, coincidentally, that fear logo that's right above my head. You can get it from our merch store on any number of things like our mugs and travel mugs and shirts and stickers, even die cut stickers and stuff like that. So in two different versions. So if you head over to squawkingdead.com, click the main menu and type and type. No. What is this? A text game from the 1970s? No. Tap. Yeah. Tap merch it's in the Zorp main menu. Or it's Zor- it's that Zork. Was Return to Zork. Exactly. Zork. Okay. Zorp. <laughs> Zorp is a whole other thing. God, such a nerd, David. says, I give this episode a seven of fear. I mean, well, out of seven? Cool. He gives a this episode a seven of fear. Seven out of, of fear. It's a seven out of fear. <laughs> 
Yeah, a seven out of fear. Mitchell says hello, and he also says, I, I have to make a post. I still, I got the shirt, Dave. Yay! Mitchell got the shirt we sent him for helping Rachel, trying to help Rachel the face of horror, which did not work out quite well. But she got pretty damn far. So mm-hmm. kudos to all of you who did who did your things. Oh yeah, and Mitchell, you know, in his video for Secret Santa, Negan, you know, I don't know. It's a very <laughs> memorable. We met briefly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, it was my favorite. Your adorable man-child, Dave. Man-child? Excuse me. I'm an adult. I'm 44 years old. Aranza. G. Wilson's, hey, what's up? Josh Panita, who, by the way, will be celebrating his 31st birthday on Friday. I made sure to say that because, and he showed up. So, well, he deserves it. So, there you go. <laughs> Happy birthday, Josh. Soon. Happy birthday. Yeah. Early. Happy birthday. Karanza says he loves the episode. 8.5 out of 10. Dang, son. That's pretty high. Excuse me. Get it right. It's 8.5 out of fear. Well, that don't. Yeah, David. <laughs> Yeah. I walk into Charles says, uh, if you guys interview Lord Cohan, please put me on the live stream. Um, no. No. <laughs> I'd be afraid. <laughs> I love you, but no. Uh, unpopular opinion, G. Wilson says, but this is my least favorite in the second half. That's interesting. I've, n- I've not heard that so far. It's my favorite of the second half. You know why? June's in it. Because Madison is no, not in it. No, because Madison's not in it. <laughs> blissfully Madison free. She said it's not as bad as 803, but kind of close. Maybe it's because of June that she didn't like this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so like this episode. I don't like the Madison character anymore, Josh Pineda says. Ooh. Interesting. You know, and we I think we sort of talked about that too. I talked about that also with, I think it was David. Yeah, David Carranza. Yeah. She ruins Ellen. Oh, of course, Seth LaRusso has tons to say about Madison. <laughs> so yes, I love does. how in this in this episode, Sherry's like, she just left us, whatever. And I'm like, why does everybody love Madison so much? She came in here and messed messed everything up, made Charlie kill herself, and now she just bounces and leaves everybody else to deal with her crap. What a peach. Yeah. I love her. That that's such a great person to just it's great. Create all this chaos and then just bounce to go look for her dead kid instead of staying it. and cleaning up her mess. It's what perfect. a great person. I I love that I love that fact. I love that for her, as Bridget <laughs> would say. And I mock it. It's great. <laughs> you mock it, but you started using it. So Yeah. Well obviously listen, is it imitation is the highest form of flattery, basically? <laughs> Takira says, hey all the ones who talks is me. Well yeah of course I, Takira, of course I know that. Not you, you dink. <laughs> She's talking to people in chat. Oh, Mitchell says Dove was annoying this episode. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. I have things to say about that, too. Okay. I There are some things, but mostly I, I really I really respect as an actor that she brought it this episode. Okay, well, we'll here's... Get, oh, okay, we're done. Oh, we'll okay, get to go, it. We'll get to it. Okay, uh, I was we'll like, oh, well, go right ahead. <laughs> well, let's just load the... Tri- well, let's do it. <laughs> no way. Well, let me just finish the last two. June is June is one of my favorites too. Well, G. Wilson, oh, so you're responding to my what I said. June is one of my favorites too. G. Wilson says, which is why I love Eight Hundred Two so much. But something about this one was different. Ah, uh, okay. Actually, the let's problem it. is it wasn't different. It was exactly the same as Eight Hundred Two, except June wasn't cutting off fingers. I mean, it's the exact same storyline. The exact same stuff happened. Like I said, the only difference is is the June outcome. didn't cut off some fingers. Well, well yeah, the outcome something, too. Something yeah. good came out of something bad, but the it's the exact same setup as Eight Hundred Two. Why it wasn't as good is because June wasn't a savage. That's what made 802 good was <laughs> her whacking off fingers. Well, and little did we know that that was the cons- the consolation to a very utterly devastating episode for her too, which I like that you brought up because I hadn't thought about it. This is what I was hoping was the aftermath of that episode because we hadn't seen too much about June. And we have seen residuals from that episode, residual feelings, but this episode really dug into the things I hoped they would dig into. The, the impression that that episode left on me 
well, you know, and I'm really talk about it then. No, no, you made me you made me not talk about the other thing. So we'll just get back to it. All right. <laughs> let's so let's let's let's, let's talk. Let's talk about J.L. Walton as Dove slash Odessa Sanderson. Let's talk about it. All right. So what what what, what was so bad like about that? her? What was the thing that you want to dig into? Everybody has been saying that she was annoying and whiny, blah, blah, blah. I hated her this episode. Look, she's a kid who just had her entire world turned upside down. And the people that she thought she could trust, Shrike and whatever his name was, they let her down. And so she put her faith in these other people who are also letting her down. So Dove is not being annoying. She's being an actual human who would be very angry at the people who have led her to be in this spot because they're the ones that tore her world down. So yes, she was being a little butthead and she was being annoying, <laughs> but anybody would have been like that in her situation. Well, can we just talk about the fact that like you've all been teenagers and you've all been like this to your parents or family? Guarantee you have. Sure. Being angsty is part of being a teenager. So but what was great about having her in the top of the season is seeing what she was capable of doing from the very start. And you could comment on that and say, okay, she seems to be a leader amongst the children. And she, she seems to be very handy. She's training the children in combat. But then you get to this episode. You know the arguments that we have about Judith all the time, but like she's kind of the exception, but all kids should aspire to be like that. Well, okay, yes, she is like that. However, she's still a not, kid. Not only that, she just found out that her mother was killed or died because of the people who just turned her whole world upside down yep. and killed yeah. the only people she'd recognized as parents or people or leaders. So, you know, she's just a kid. Then they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to make your life better, but none of us have it together and we're all falling apart constantly around you. So these are your role models now. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And I need you. I need you. I didn't know that I need you until I needed you. Well, she's like trying to work through her own trauma and these adults adults around her can't even get through their bull hockey and <laughs> acceptable I, try, I tried to correct i know i, I know <laughs> <laughs> Kudos. And how is she expected to have any respect for these people? She's allowed to be angry. And this this seems like something that could and would happen. Not yeah, only that, totally but reasonable. she's in a lot of pain. And I'm going to tell you right now, that will make you a harsh, unlikable person. These people are like, I'm going to save you. No, I'm going to save you. No, I'm going to save you. And you're like, would you people just do something instead of talking about what you're Well, show do? don't tell, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, right? Something we said about the writing. The, yes. Season. She was annoying, but there was a reason behind her being annoying. It wasn't just being annoying as a kid. I would be angry too. Well, and it's also think about this universe too, on the whole. It's one thing to see the events that transpire that lead to trauma and to hard times for all these characters, and we've seen it. It's another to feel it. And I thought that having her emote the way she did, I was very, very impressed. Really makes you sort of believe, right? Because the, the show don't tell isn't limited to just showing me the events. The show don't tell is also about making me feel something. That's actually how I wanted to start the episode, really, is instead of really just the regular, oh, what are your first impressions of the episode, which we will say, but I wanted to add the caveat of, did this episode actually make you feel something? And I asked the audience that as well, but in the meantime, yes. Bridget, did happiness this episode... That June, happiness that Madison she's, wasn't in it. She's she just undercut me. you. She's Man, jeez Louise. <laughs> 
Sorry, Bridget. <laughs> well, I, you know what? That's emblematic of how you felt about it. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> no, Sharon D's excited about this one and I'm glad. I did like this one. I thought this one was really great. I don't want to go ahead and say that it's my favorite in the last half of the season because I just, I feel like I need to rewatch all of them to reevaluate that. One, we got to see characters we haven't seen in a while. So <laughs> thank goodness for that. Two, we got to wrap up yeah. some stuff from Walking Dead proper. In a way, yeah. And I in am a way. so thankful for that. This storyline with Sherry and Dwight, it seemed like in season seven, they were trying to like perpetuate it. Like, we're going to go three more seasons with this bad boy. We're going to talk about the sanctuary and they're going to go back and get Negan and blah, blah, blah. It seems like that was like the agenda. That, that was season was six, actually. Six. It was brought up again in seven. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They split up for a while because of it. And, you know, the whole will they, won't they? And it's like, just let's just move on from this, please. So it was nice to see that, okay, cool. We're going to lay some of this to bed. Great. For the time being, if you want to bring this back and have them hash this out in a spinoff or something, fine, do that. That doesn't need to eat into this final stretch of episodes. Yeah, right? I agree. There's too much story left to tell to really focus on something that's been hashed out over and over and over and over again. Although, can I just interject here for a sec? I guess. Part of me, by the end, was thinking, because... The question was asked, oh, are you coming back with us? And I was like, I wanted to kind of say, gotta see Daryl and maybe bring him along in this fight, maybe. Did you guys feel that at least a little um, bit? Like oh, like no. he was it's kind of like last episode when Daniel said there is something fundamentally like because he was about to say the f-word in my head canon but he decided he landed on fundamentally and <laughs> so just like this episode i felt like he because he says daryl like while he's about to pass out in the beginning of the episode mm -hmm. so i thought maybe that would be incorporated somehow at the end like yeah, i gotta see a guy about a guy i think what they did at the end of the episode is kind of wrap this up to say no this is okay we're gonna move on yeah because yeah, no, that's what we need to do to honor our son right that's what's the most important thing for them why why hash like why still deal with all all of this trauma that you've been dealing with for so many years, like just start to let some of that go. Yeah. Did Negan do some really despicable things to you guys? Of course he did. But do you need to hang on to that? We've seen what that does. We saw it with Maggie's character. So I feel like the whole point of this was something good coming out of something bad. So they had to go to this bad place to make that something good happen. So that's why they had to go back to the sanctuary. First of all, the sanctuary falls. Like it's legitimately fallen now. It can never come back. They can let it go. It's gone. It can never come yeah. back. Again. But they also, again, stressed something good coming out of something bad. So they go to the sanctuary and they end up finally being able to work out and really put in the past the trauma and everything that they suffered at the sanctuary. So while I don't really agree with the whole time hopping going from Georgia to Virginia in, in trucks, if that's like, they, I, okay, yeah. whatever, right. whatever, I, I'll get over that. But I can see why they felt like they needed to go back to the sanctuary in order to kind of let Dwight and Sherry end it. It's bad to the site of their trauma it triggers them and makes them confront the past the thing they never confronted they can't get yeah. away from it because they're there they can't they can't yeah. run away if they're right there well i like that because this ties into the whole um discussion that we had i think the last episode where things are finally tying up and everything's coming full circle finally and this was one of those notes that they needed to hit to wrap these stories up for these characters would you say that everything gets a return yes but i wouldn't say it like that why not 
<laughs> it's perfect. G. Wilson said it's shout not. out to whoever was rebuilding the set in the King County house in 804. Even if some minor things aren't accurate, the dedication was definitely present. That is mm. something Same we talked about too. in our interview with uh, Phil McLaughlin last night. So yeah, you'll have to go check it out. Go go check that out. Go look at that. Will you put that in your pipe and smoke it? Okay. And stream it. Actually, stream it was more it. like put that in your pod and stream it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Right. Put that in your tube and you it. Anyway. I know everybody else was also complaining about the metalhead walkers, right? They were all gone when Negan went back. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I wrote that you down know. in my notes too. Okay. So one of the guys that moved in there was an old sanctuary guy. And this yeah. was like, wouldn't Dwight know him? They had outposts. Dwight didn't know every single person, I'm sure, that were sure. all the outposts. So no, it would have been very no easy for someone who was in one of the old outposts who had been in the sanctuary before to remember okay. the metalhead walkers and make their own. It could have yeah, been somebody boom. from a different community that had to deal with them and it's knew totally where the location unique. was and right. knew what they had set up there yeah I mean, totally it's not that, out of the realm that wasn't yeah that wasn't a problem for me but it does touch on another thing which is this episode is rife with and dwight almost breaks the fourth wall when he confronts jay in a sense it's like you gotta be kidding me this is a little too on the nose uh-huh. <laughs> i love that so throughout the episode everything surprised seems a that guy's too- name wasn't tony <laughs> tony and tina <laughs> Right? <laughs> oh, as a reflection for Tina, uh, Sherry's sister, in case you forgot. I wanted to go back and touch on something real quick again when I was saying about something good coming out of something bad. They showed that also in them being able to save Dove in the furnace, whereas in the past, the furnace was, was the source. what caused Dwight. Hey, that was the bad. Got his face burned. They threw mm-hmm. the doctor in there. You know, all, all those bad things that happened in the furnace. And then the good thing that happened was they were able to save Dove out of it. Yeah, and it, and it made him lean into that life enough to shoot Dr. Denise with the crossbow. This is like part of that bad is that he leaned into that that moment said there's no escape. There's nothing left for On me. On that point Sharon D, he uses the iron that burned his face right. to protect himself too. Right. So there's a lot there in terms of Well and it happens for June too because all the bad that happens but she's able to confront the past with her daughter and kind of I felt like she kind of let that go as well because the whole story with June was she was so traumatized, A, by losing all of these children that she was trying to save and being forced to experiment on. Well, then you've got John. You know, she lost John. Mm. And then she lost her mind and went crazy for a while. And now she's lost... Now she's lost a finger and she's just... (laughs) She has ruined everything. And everything is her fault. And she's constantly she's still paying for that one sin in the past of leaving her daughter alone. Oh, and the fact that it's kids too. Mm -hmm. And I'm not lying. I was like thinking, well, in, in a competition between she and Carol, who's winning here in terms of losing children? <laughs> like, They're about equal. I laughed in my head about that. I thought the same thing. I was funny. like, this is what Carol and June have in common. They can't keep kids alive. But <laughs> Poor things. In going on this journey with them, while all these bad things happened, she was able to make something good come out of it because she was finally able to let go of, not let go of her trauma, but get past it enough to do what she had to do, which she couldn't do before because having Sherry sew up Dwight because June's finger was gone. June, you were shooting a gun two episodes ago with that with that finger with your middle finger so yeah. like what you know is it is it you're just you just can't do the medical stuff anymore you're afraid of that because you keep saving because you can't right. save anybody you couldn't save finch yeah. so it was good for her to be able to, to save dove and finally be able to come out of that and be like yes i can do something good well and then in terms of the wraparound of it all she gets a family again yeah and the family grows too in a sense right you've got now we've also odessa she saved odessa and 
And by letting Dwight out, she also saved Dwight and Sherry. Because when she let Dwight out of the apartment and he went down to save Sherry, that forced them then to confront their problems yep. with among the walkers. So you can also kind of say that June saved that them mm-hmm. and them, Dave Dove and them. Yeah. And a lot of that is opportunity. And her reward for that was having a family again. Yeah. Yeah. This is what's important. Go after it. All There's a lot of factors in this episode that kind of lead to that too. So, and each and every person in this episode contributes and Dwight says it best. Like all of you, I needed all of you to see that. Well, I mean, he and Sherry were so hurt. My feeling is like he must have left right after mm-hmm. they had that conversation. Yep. At French's grave. I wish we had like a time frame of how long this was after the end of 8A. It seems like a, uh, only a couple right. of weeks. It doesn't, it doesn't like, feel just like considering long. all yeah. the episodes. Yeah. They were hurt so badly by the death of their son and feeling like everything they have done and all the sacrifices they've made have never mattered. They still couldn't keep anybody safe and they couldn't keep themselves safe and they couldn't keep their family safe. Right. It's like trying to hold on to liquid. It, it just slips right. through your fingers. And they had to get not past that hurt because you're never going to get past that hurt. But they had to recognize that the other one was hurting too and come together to share it rather than push each other away. Yeah. Right. No, And I said this about June at the time too in the second episode of the season. This woman, she she is definitely thinking that she is cursed. And then you see that reflected heavily in Dwight, like on the nose saying, every time I try to do something good, somebody else suffers. And I'm the one left standing for some reason. I'm the one left standing, essentially. I'm the one digging the grave at the end of the day. And I think Jay actually is the one that really hit it on the head was if you're if you're not helping people, then what are we even doing here? That's why Dwight was like, every time I try to help, I just mess it, make it up worse. So maybe I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, and he does. He is kind of a foil for, for Dwight. He lost his wife and child. Mm-hmm. So but even then he says, quote, even a week is a hell of a lot better than being dead, which is kind of like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of what Jay says, even though he ends up dying and maybe because he ends up dying, by the way, it's like, well, that could be you. Do you really want that? You still have your wife. You still have a chance. Well, you're lucky, man. You still have a chance. You have a family. You have June, who you said was your family. And all these kids right, to look up Red to. Kite, you have a whole family of children that need you. Yeah. You lost Finch, but you have all these other kids that need love and guidance. Like I said, they just tore their whole world down. And now these kids are just, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, what, what's going on? I, we're only getting to see Dove's side of that. But these kids, what are they all doing? They have to have somebody that they trust and look up to. And that's going to be Dwight. Yeah, and I agree. And I would say, normally I would criticize this so on the nose, even fourth wall at times breaking moments. But there were so many callbacks, Easter eggs, things to look at. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can't be mad at it. And even if some of the stuff they did was so like, okay, emblematic, right? The Finch at the very end, which is like, oh, it's Finch, meaning our son. He's looking down on us like that. Hey, so on the nose. But I, I can't be mad. I can't be mad at it because there's so much rife meaning to all this. So even if it's too much or even if it's too on the nose, I, I wasn't mad at it at all because of the fan service too. Going yeah. to your point about fish fan service, it's important. And so it's it kind of offsets the almost flashing neon signs at certain themes. I mean, yeah, that part was cheesy, but I didn't mind it because right. if you've lost right. someone, that's like a real thing that you do for self-assurance. So if I see- To find signs, you mean? If I, yeah, I mean, you do because yeah. you okay. just, you need to know that they're still looking out for you somehow, somewhere out there. This applies, I would say, to pretty much everyone. I don't know if you feel the same way, Sharon. I don't know if you look for signs like that in the world, but I think that's just a natural human. Yeah, like human I'm a Christian, thing, and yeah. so like, why I mean, I would don't... I want my grandfather to be a cardinal? I don't, <laughs> but I want him to be in heaven. But when he I... was ginger, FYI, <laughs> he, he wasn't. Anyway. But when I see a cardinal, I think. 
think of him and that connection it makes it, you know, it's easy to look for and be like, he's looking out for me right now. Them seeing the bird, like, is even though you're like, oh, that's like so cheesy. Like, we all do that. Well, and especially for them. To, I enjoyed to see it. That. What else do they have? It was no cheesier than anything that's happened in a hundred movies before. Yeah, true. I thought it was. I was like, heck yeah, all right, it's Finch. That's cool. I like that. I didn't bother me at all. Well, that's why I said it like that too. By the way, I yeah. said even though so much of this episode was on the nose from the character Jay pointing out things and. Dwight going you're pointing out things and then the finch and all the way to the finch at the end even with that there's so much fan service it's such a great offset to the really heavy themes too Mm -hmm. so it's a nice counterweight which is okay look you can still criticize the writing but at the same time it's not just about the writing they made up for it with execution yeah i don't know if it was the fan service or what but this one the writing it had its clunky moments but i thought it was streets ahead i'm gonna use that right streets ahead of the most recent scripts. This one was far and above. It also helps that you don't have a block of wood delivering lines. Well, but more than more than just that, it's a trend too. It seems like with episodes like King County and this one, mm-hmm. there you know that there was a, a lot of research that had to go into everything, which we talked about in our interview with Phil McLaughlin, the director of this episode. But there's a lot of pressure to get it right and get it right enough for people to believe that they are at the sanctuary, first of all. And second of all, because of the theme, you know, you're at the sanctuary, you're surrounded by ghosts of the past because if you don't get that right however great the writing is people are going to notice it and it's going to take them out of it anyway so if you can get that piece right you've got people paying attention at least even if the writing may be not quite the way it should be or the delivery or the dialogue etc you get that as right as humanly possible people be like yeah i don't care just keep going just keep talking keep talking keep saying your lines it's fine look at this delicious eye candy but and you can tell that the care was put into this episode let me just say some things that were in the chat takira says i was able to ignore what was still terrible writing because I was so happy to see Dwight characters and why the hell does her last name have to be my maiden name why'd you have to blow your spot see now they can get your social security number G Wilson says random side note but Bridget's lights in the back are so pretty I agree they're great she keeps upping her game every episode (laughs) okay and Jason Cohn says I think she did a great job this episode I agree Takira says I would not have lived if I did change I gotcha I gotcha no it was if if she had talked back to her family like Dove was talking to them oh yeah okay well listen I'm still here and I did (laughs) So (laughs) I did too. Proof of life. I got whooped. That's for sure. I host a podcast. Yeah, no, I got whooped and I'm still here. So anyway, whatever. G. Wilson says the same explanation Sherry has for Dove is why I've been defending Mo in the first half because a lot of what she did was influenced by Pod. Yeah, influenced by Padre. Yes. Takira says you would never have met me. Yeah, wow, let's keep going. David says, I love that you're all wearing black. That's interesting. Yeah, we are. And we are we're blending into the background at times. Uh, Jason says she did live one night on the fear page and was really excited about the performance in this episode. She went uh, live. Jason Cohn says. She didn't oh, live. she went live. She didn't live there. <laughs> what was wrong with me? Oh, that's really cool. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Mitchell says, I'm glad to Dwight jo- join them again. I just want Dwight and Sherry to be happy. So do I. The infinity symbol, man. That's all. That's what it's all about. Them two back to back in this episode, killing walkers against the world. Bronza likes your bull hockey. To Wilson's like your bull hockey. <laughs> Lois says, by the way, she's been not liking all the episodes. She says, such a good episode, finally. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I'm glad you liked it, Lois. Yeah. Uh, Walking Dead Channel says, in this episode of Fear of the Walking Dead, when Dwight and Sherry were in 
in Sanctuary, I thought Negan was going to appear. And he kind of did in some of those flashbacks, if you're mm. quick enough, which can we just touch briefly on that again? Did you like the use of flashbacks? It does seem to have continued the theme from the last episode with Charlie. I did because it gave you the sense of the trauma that they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. You can't really get in their heads, you know, but by showing those flashbacks in the weird sound effect they put with it. Sort of like electric shock. Yeah. Like well, bolt, yeah, like you're, know. I guess that's it. It's shocking them to feel these things again. And they're reacting to that shock. Right. Too, and I feel I like that was very helpful in to kind of put it together in their headspace why they're both acting the way they are once they get there. Yeah, I agree. Well, can we touch on one specific moment, though? The pregnancy test? That was a lot because mm. it's not just a Walking Dead reference, too, which it, sorry, I should say it's not just a fear of the Walking Dead reference from season seven with the pregnancy test and they find out she is pregnant, mm-hmm. but it's a Walking Dead reference. Uh, yeah. Dwight finds out secondhand that Sherry had gone to Dr. Carson to find out if she was pregnant and it was part of the reason why Dr. Carson and you see that flashback in this episode gets thrown into the furnace too because he was lying to Negan doesn't matter if he ostensibly told the truth I think that was the case Dwight told Negan that the doctor was the one doing something for the ladies or something I don't remember exactly but he yeah it was Dwight who was doing it but he blamed it on the doctor so that'd be the doctor's fire oh Jason goes I'm so proud of some of my friends this episode as metalhead walkers they put a lot of hard work this season for most to have never worked on a TWD show before I think it was a really superb job people can criticize but of their mere existence but who doesn't like a callback you know Tegir says they did tremendous job Jason Walking the Eternal says you know what's crazy I thought I saw Simon Simon's walker form still walking you wouldn't but (laughs) it's cool that in one of the lightning bolt flashbacks you did get to see an eyeful of Simon too which is kind of nice oh I remembered what I wanted to say before about sort of about the the metalhead walkers but also about these guys in relation to I thought it would have been a really interesting opportunity to weave in like even the tiniest hint that maybe the people that are living there now might be with the Croat. If you think about it, you know, he's looking for Negan to try to do this thing. The timeline may not be right, but Croat has been trying to find Negan for years, it seemed. Did you guys think of that at all in any way? No. That's interesting. Okay. To tie in the universe, I thought it could would have been a good opportunity to somehow support that. If that were the case, Dave, I think they would have questioned Dwight. Do you think so? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, because they would, they why would, would Dwight know come him. back and how did he know where things were? Like, of course, they would want to question him then. Shout out to that Marty guy, though, by the way. <laughs> He's like, because you were there. And in your head, you're like, well, oh, okay. Because he was literally there. Okay, I guess. But like his, his just demeanor and the way he delivered lines was actually was actually kind of cool. Like it was a little schlocky, but it was necessary schlocky. I thought he was going to kiss Dwight at the end. But anyway, that's fine. I think he should have. Anyway. He got, he got so curious. close to his face. I was like, are you going to kiss him? Is yeah. The way this up. is going? That direction? took an unexpected turn. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's, hard, it's a hard left on that one. I thought you wanted to kill him. Now you want to kiss him? Well, you know, it's, there's a, they call the orgasm le petit mot, the, the, the little death. So, Like my mom always said education. about Carl, my arch nemesis, there's a thin line between love and hate, Bridget. Mm, I just said. talked about orgasm and you mentioned Carl. Anyway, Takira says <gasps> Carol wins that every time, <laughs> killing kids. Jay Wilson says Dwight and Cherry accepting June as their family, especially since John, uh, June and John saved Dwight. That's great. Thank you, Jay Wilsons. That's a great callback. That was lovely to see this season. Walking Dead Eternal says, and Dwight pointed out the infinity sign still on the wall. Yep, the flashbacks were awesome. She wasn't a Sherry back in 806 that Finch made his his name his own despite Padre giving it to him. And that's why the bird showing up at the end is special. Yeah, he made it his own. And also, there's a distinct presence of make it count as well as second chances. Every last episode's theme gets brought into the next episode I'm, I'm noticing as well. So there's second chances in Anton. There's make it count in Iron Tiger. And now 
how we're doing second chances make it count and then you gotta go through it to get over it sometimes you gotta go through it to move forward essentially does that make sense what i just said is that english (laughs) it was english yes (laughs) yeah was it in the right order though i think so yeah So yeah, Takira says I was going to be really unhappy if they didn't f- fix Dwight and Sherry. Well, I don't think <laughs> they're 100% through. fixed. You, I just, I want to reiterate when we talked about their episode and how sad it was that they split up, when you guys realize that's rooted in reality. The statistics of people whose marriages fall apart after they lose a child is pretty alarming. So just know, I don't think that this is 100% fixed. I think we're still going to see a little bit of conflict here, but it's okay. They're at least now willing to work together to move forward which is the key which they had discord i mean perfectly natural and it's not always going to be the, like you said it's not always going to be the case that they get back they get come back from this and they found a way through and their family grew as a result which is great so g wilson says the flashbacks in this episode remind me of the mid-season finale was edited for morgan yeah yeah that's exactly why i brought it up three characters with three different levels of trauma trying to co- combat it all and the same type of trauma <laughs> okay like takira simon has now been on three twd shows yes kind of yes <laughs> Kind of. kind of. Kind of. Yes. <laughs> kind of. Right. But hey, kudos to uh, Stephen Ogg. He was in the Better Call Songverse, too. What's that show with the two lib, lib chicks in New York City? <laughs> he was like the, the locksmith. I can't remember now. Broad City? Yeah, it was Broad City. I love <laughs> Creepy, I creepy love locksmith. Broad City. So good. Oh, did you like how he said the two lib chicks? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew immediately what you were talking about for some reason. I know, exactly. Yeah, and we got to see Troy's daughter, Tracy, at the end. Takira says, oh, I don't think they're like back together. Wonderful, completely losing each other would be insane. Yep. Jason Cohn says, I shared on Facebook, but not Instagram yet. I own the prop desk from Dwight's room in this episode. Had the opportunity after wrap to be able to purchase it. Dude, that's great. Oh, that's I cool. can't wait to see that. It, when you do post it on Instagram, let's say, or even Facebook, you can tag us on both. He Just uh, either DM probably. me or tag me. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to, to see that. Takira says, oh my God, I left out loud when I saw Strand with Tracy. I was like, finally, me and Strand agree. Ooh. Well, we get to that. Dee Wilson says, not sure what any of you guys' death predictions are after this episode. I could have sworn that Dove was going to die this episode. I, honestly, in the middle, I was kind of like, where is this going? Oh my God, this <laughs> kid's know. trying to take the bull out of herself, which boss move, but usually ends up people, because we've seen this sort of behavior on the Walking Dead universe. It never ends well, ever, except this episode, essentially. <laughs> uh, but I could have sworn that Dove was going to die in this episode. I also also were oddly still worried about Sherry, which is a good sign. I felt somewhat the same. These series, they don't tend to end well when things look really, really dire. Somebody usually ends up moited mm-hmm. or deaded. So let's talk about Easter eggs now. We've gone through that. Okay. By the way, I made a promise to myself because we tend not to read the comments in the chat. And so I made a promise to myself to at least try. Once we get into it, it's all bets are off usually. <laughs> I don't know. I think we we try. We try a lot of the time. Yeah. From the beginning of the episode, there's things like Jay's looking for insulin, which if you watch the show and didn't watch The Walking Dead, then I guess you wouldn't know this. But the way that we're introduced to Dwight is through the fact that he he met Daryl in, in the woods and stole his stuff. But as it turns out, we find out that Dwight's backstory is that Sherry's sister needs insulin and they stole a bunch of it so that they could escape Sanctuary and the Saviors. So it was weird that this guy conveniently also needed insulin. It's also double 
double weird, by the way, considering the fact that Daryl was always meant to be this weird shadow Dwight, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. If you've seen panels in the comics pre-face burning, you do get that sense. Yeah, they're very Like, distinctly, looking almost exactly. Which is why it was so fitting that Dwight steals Daryl's vest. But anyway, moving on. And breaks the fourth wall in this episode. (laughs) Moving (laughs) on. Are you kidding me? I know. I love the comic book. Loved that he went back to the old house. Love that we got to see the eternity symbol everywhere because that was his and Sherry's thing. Here's a fun fact for you all. When Dwight passes out on the porch and is speaking about how he wants Daryl to come get him, because as you'll remember, Daryl said, if you ever come back, I will kill you. Guess what? Dwight's back and he's not dead. (laughs) Much to his chagrin at that moment. (laughs) I know. He's not happy about it. I think he probably went back to be killed. If he had known Daryl was in France, he probably wouldn't have been nearly as worried. He'd have been like, oh, I could just go to Alexandria. No problem. Whistling Dixon. He doesn't know Daryl's out (laughs) saving some kid in in France. And saving himself in the process. So, But did you like how he landed on the home sweet home? Okay, so he landed on the home sweet home. Welcome at. Fun fact for you all. Another fun fact. That home sweet home welcome at is readily available to you at Target. It has been for several years. As soon as I saw it, I went, that's the Target home sweet home welcome mat. I have seen that welcome mat many a time on many of my shopping trips. Why didn't you ask Phil about it last night? Jeez Louise. We know what Sherry shopped at Target before the so, fall. That welcome mat has been around for so many years, not since 2010, but for many years. And so if you wanted to buy one, they're still available. I believe it's $13.99. <laughs> wow. Down to the price you actually do. I looked okay. it up because I was like, I got to see if this, so this is really the Target one. And it is. Since we're here, right here in this moment, on my first watch. Now, I haven't read the comic book, but I know some key plot points. So Dwight has just come back from the sanctuary after trying to get this insulin. He's very happy. He sees Jay. He's very sad. <laughs> Sherry comes in and all you see is Sherry at first. And I thought to myself, what if instead of going back home, to Dwight, let's say. She went back to the sanctuary and she was part of that group that's in the sanctuary. For a hot sec, I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, she reverted. I did and too. And to she wanted to be the sanctuary queen. I was hoping that somebody else thought the same. Well, I wasn't sure if they were bad at that point because all you know is that he threatened Dwight. Exactly. But Dwight literally broke into their domicile. So I was like, where is this vocabulary coming from? This evening, I have no idea. So I was like, is she with them? Is she like leading this group of people? What are they doing there? She's going to come walking down the stairs with a white mask on. And <laughs> oh, like in season six, <laughs> which by the way, I like, I appreciate even that the mood of, of this episode as we walk into it has the same mood of his episode, his return in Fear the Walking Dead season six, where it's creepy. And then all of a sudden he sees a mask and masked figure in the window. The opening shot of this episode of Dwight reflected in the lightning in the puddle is probably my favorite shot ever on this show except for the shot that I always do screenshots of of June and Al in the helicopter there's a really cool shot but that shot the lightning flashing and, and illuminating Dwight in the puddle I, it's like I told um, Phil last night I missed like the next 20 minutes of the episode because all I could <laughs> think about was how awesome that shot was <laughs> that's, that's interesting and you know what there's two things I have to say about that actually well first of all A my favorite shot is maybe to your surprise maybe not it's always the Laura. It's always the guns on the on the railing. It's the first thing that got me to that lit me up about fear, which Phil actually also commented as well. Just everything in Laura in episode was it four oh five. Four oh five. Stop. Oh no. No, we're totally not. It's so voluminous. Stop. Stop. 
<laughs> but that, but no, for my part, that's that's my favorite example of how fear could be. That shot gave you everything you need to know about John Dory. Show was, don't tell, right? Yeah. We love that. We love a show don't tell. The second thing is the lightning opening sh- shot, the lightning itself. It's sort of a cinematic callback to King County. Is well, I think it is. No, no, it's the episode beforehand when Morgan wakes up in the puddle and it's raining and stuff. There is a sort of symmetry or aftermath like rain falling people in puddles or people looking at puddles and him waking Madison that (laughs) there you go see that brought you back right that's like what is he even talking about okay I'll do the I'll do the impression (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there you go as soon as I do that everybody knows what I'm talking about we lived off of that impression for a couple weeks for some reason it made me think of the end of season six right before they find the cellar where they stay with I can't oh, Sherry remember. and Dwight. I can't remember their name okay. now when they find that place. When they shoot mm. the guy and Sherry's like... Oh, yeah, the guy outside yeah, and they sh- lead the other guy right, out. Right, 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 yeah. That, they I blow it with the horses, right? I don't they know, pull the right. thing. I don't know why it made me think of that, but it did, so... I don't well, Sharon D was going to share, I believe, would, or were you going to share what you pointed out to me? Dana? I was going to say, you said that I pointed something out in Discord. Do you want to say what it is? Go ahead. No, you say it, because I was so excited that you pointed it out, because I'd seen it, but I it like didn't really register. The St. Christopher's Medal. Oh. Oh, okay, hanging okay. On the walker that was so over Saint Christopher Medallion, right? It was hanging off the walker's neck, and it was very prominent in the shot. It didn't look accidental. It was very prominently placed to where you could see it. Well, because it was basically hitting Sherry in the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so two things to that. You're blessed. One, You're blessed. <laughs> What's great about that is you actually get to see the walker walking towards her and you see her wearing, I'm assuming it's a her because I had long hair. And just as you see the walker walking towards her with the St. Christopher medallion, the fence comes down on her. Mm-hmm. That's So that's like, okay, they found you're totally Alicia. lost. They're all looking for Alicia yeah, in the wrong place. That that's Alicia. She's there. And, well, and the second thing is getting notes today. <laughs> I was thinking to myself because we had that conversation with Phil. Phil's like, no, no, this is not good. This is not good enough. So Phil takes the medallion himself, all, you know, like on the top of the camera. He it. goes, he starts hitting... <laughs> Sherry in the head with the sinker. They won't get it if we don't hit them over, literally hit them over the head with it. So I was just, just I mean, Sherry I saw all kinds of callbacks and stuff, but that was the one that really made me excited. I was like, mm-hmm. man, that was a sneaky little one they snuck in there. Oh, you want to know something else I found out? So obviously the chess references, both yes. in Dwight's old room yes. and in his yeah. house, right? But did you notice which piece in the chess set he used to whittle out June's finger in the beginning? Was it the queen? It's the king, actually. Okay. I saw yeah. him grab it and then I wasn't sure what he was doing at first I was like did he grab it and then grab because there were just plain pieces of wood that he hadn't yet whittled and so I was like is he grabbing that to do the other side I wasn't sure if he was it was was the king piece comparison Dwight gave June the finger the king finger instead of the ring finger. First of all, I thought that was cool just on a level like, okay, this is what he thinks of June. She's worthy of taking that piece. She's the one that's, that it's meant to protect. She's the king. You're meant to protect the king. She's the king. She's the king. In- like Elvis? Yes, like Elvis. <laughs> but I thought that was also interesting because if you're doing this, you're thinking there's an after or that at some point you may give it to her or you leave it behind and she takes it, but at least you're thinking of her. So as much as I don't want to say it, but I have to because in this episode, as much much as that everything else was on the nose, like everything was almost spelled out as it usually is, but we don't mind this episode. The one thing they didn't spell out that was present throughout the entire episode is literally no one's gone till they're gone, which I thought was very clever because 
even in Dwight's darkest moment, he wasn't gone. He thought of June. Jay is even saying to him to, to him out, out loud, but not saying no one's gone till they're gone. He's saying, even if it's a week, it's week a week of life is better than death immediately. And so there's things like that that happen throughout this episode where, you, where they could say on the nose, no one's gone till they're gone, but they didn't. And that's great. Yeah. Show don't tell. Because Madison wasn't in it. Well, they, so, but she was. <laughs> No, Spirit. she wasn't. No, she wasn't because they didn't say no one's gone till they're gone. They completely. But they left her did out of say episode. Madison Which is left great. us. To yeah, they were talking about what a terrible person yeah. she was. This, I think it's delicious. This, I love that. I love that she's bounced and left us hanging, holding the bag, dealing. Did with I say people. I didn't even get to say in the last few episodes how on the heels of what I said about her being intentionally painted as an awful character, and I I don't know how I didn't say this, but I feel like she is the villain that was promised from Erickson, but it's like, we can't give you what you want the way you want it. We have to put our little stank on it. That's the be careful, <laughs> in what, a sense. You, the be careful what you wish for, right? Mm. Just Exactly. Like, you, might, you might just get I it. I said the same thing when they said when Madison came back and I was like, yeah, y'all wanted her back, so they gave you a wheezy, oxygen, a wheezy. <laughs> junkie baby stealer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, listen, as much as I'm going to say it again, uh, whenever I can, I, I'm a Madison fan and I was not mad at that. I was like, yeah, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. And yeah, we I, got it. I know. I, it wasn't great. That's how I felt about it, too. She wasn't great. Not it wasn't. I think it was great but because she wasn't great. I think it was a good choice because <laughs> there wasn't really any other way that you could do it, honestly. Right. I got the evil bad guy June that I wanted. So thank you guys. I knew y'all you would did. listen to me. Yeah. You did. Yeah. I'm going to read a couple comments just because I noticed that it's getting really far oh, away from us. <laughs> <laughs> so G. Wilson says, not sure what any of you guys' death predictions are after this episode, but I could have sworn that Dove was going to die in this episode. I'm, I said that Oh, already. yes, you did. I thought Jerry was a goner, says Takira. Same, says I don't wanna, By the way, Carranza. I don't want to do death predictions. That's I don't not either. Really, I, I, keep, I keep saying this on my own channel, but I'm not a huge fan of theorizing because one, inevitably I'm wrong and I don't like that. And two- I'm okay with being wrong. It just, <laughs> two, it just, well, like I'm at the not. top of the season, we, I was fine with it. But like now that we're so close to the end, I it's just, just not worth yeah, it. I just want to wait and see how it plays out. And you end up being that guy or girl that does this thing where like, well, you know, he, Morgan didn't die, but man, what about this guy? You know, you're like, all, you know, when you, you guess the number and you guess seven and then seven's already taken out. You're like, oh, no, I meant three. That's what you're doing when you do the death predictions. It's like, you're kind of wrong, but you're kind of right. It's fine. I mean, people can change predict. Mind. It's just, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. I don't like being it just, wrong. It's not so. a good look. G. Wilson says, I'm loving this segue to the Target welcome map promo. You're so welcome. <laughs> the bottle shot was of Dwight was so cool. One of my favorite ones, along with that shot of the fire in Strand's glasses in 308. In the Abigail, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is a really good shot. It's a great shot. Which was referenced in the um, the go bag promo for Fear the Walking Dead that he did. Yes. June did the other one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. right. June did the first one, I think. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, Jason right, said, on, on the train tracks, cool fact, the walker he looks at in the rain is none other than Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Wagner. <laughs> which that's awesome and uh, way to go jeff because he's been prominent in this back half of the season. season so congratulations yeah. man and it doesn't hurt that he's a great guy too <laughs> obviously <laughs> walking dead eternal says i still refuse to believe that alicia is dead no way that she is troy's a liar and that's all i'm gonna say on that david Carranza says they are the cutest nerds i assume even though you use plurals for nerds i bet you're still only talking about david it's Dave. Um, <laughs> the ones who talk i refuse to believe it as well i cannot even tell you how pissed I'll be if she died off screen. Just Troy's okay. liar. Okay. <laughs> From Twitch, Valvez, Valvez BT Dubs. By the way, I by the was way. up. 
Hey, yo. What's up? What's up, What's up about Valdez? We're going to do that. We're going to do something from the late 90s. You're welcome, babies. Maybe early. It's Walker saying, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> David says, if Alicia is in fact alive, I'll call it a win. I just don't see this getting fully wrapped in three episodes. I'm here to the end, though. Hard to say. Hey, a lot can Hard happen in three episodes. We felt I think the same said way this. about The Walking Dead flagship when that ended, that we felt like there was not enough time we were panicking yeah and it wrapped up really lovely i thought so i'm hopeful yeah but in the aftermath, we did say it would have been great to get a couple, at least a couple more episodes to fill in some of the Reaper stuff and maybe even some of the Commonwealth stuff, just racing towards the end for the Commonwealth. That's okay. But again, in Monday morning quarterbacking, right? At the time, yes, we were panicking because we're analysts. You know, we're really, really wrapped up in narrative. And I'm sure that if you were wa- binge watching it, I think it would have been fine. Because really. I'm a millennial with anxiety. So this is <laughs> what I do. Well, so on the note of Alicia, though, and I know I'm skipping to the end but I can't help myself and maybe because it's the broken glass theory once it's been broken you can't not see it when they reveal Tracy Otto on screen rather than some sort of promotional photo you stumble across because somebody doesn't know how to (laughs) Victor lifts the blindfold off of Tracy Otto and my heart just sank it's been a while since I felt I felt something and I just thought Alicia for some reason just like she she's the listen the actor whom I if you guys know the actor's name the actor who plays Tracy let me know who it is but she's very expressive I liked and I'm sure this was a decision I liked the screaming that she was doing because everything was so jaunty the the music well I'll get to the music when we get the chance but the music was great Victor's preparing this very nice and pleasant room for her and then all of a sudden you hear screaming and it's her it's her voice I like and- how she would Victor said I'm Victor and her eyes just <laughs> God, yes, knew. that's what I'm like, saying. Oh, your reputation precedes <laughs> you, sir. I don't know if it's she knew, but doesn't matter. I just whatever this kid was doing, chef's kiss. He's also gone full Victor. Maybe has he? Maybe though? right. Well, I was surprised that's... because one, he was using his name again, but two, we've now kidnapped a child, which is like, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the exact opposite well, of what we were doing. Technically, he found a child because she ran away. And he right. just hasn't returned her to her parent yet. Uh, technically, the I Germans found the child, which sounds bad. Happy. But I feel like um, <laughs> instead of Strand doing this for himself this time, the difference is he's doing it for everybody else. He's not and doing in it, his own way it for himself. Well, if I'm not mistaken, G. Wilson said something last episode about how in the last season, Strand, what I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me, that Strand was pushing away love in order to win or protect what he needed to protect. And in this season, he's going to use that love. Embrace. And I really like that. So it might be a little bit of both. He's still stranding, but he's stranding in a positive direction. It's like Jamie Tart and Ted Lasso when they want Jamie to be a jerk when they need him to be a jerk. Remember the signal? Yeah. Yeah. So right now he needs to be Victor. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is also a a mirror of Seven when he was trying not to be Victor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because he was Morgan Jones. (laughs) Or at the end of season six. (laughs) Yeah. 
for a split second. Yeah. Jason says that the actor's name is Antonella Rose. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I, I knew it was announced. They just didn't have it offhand. But did you get that feeling that I did? Did you see her as, oh my God, it, it, it looks so much like Alicia. No. She looks so much like no. Alicia. No, I was like, okay. oh, that for okay. sure is not Alicia's kid, is what I thought. Oh, the eyes were a giveaway for me for some reason. Or I don't know. I'm not saying she is. Again, I'm not saying she is. Well, here's the thing. Just because she doesn't look like Alicia doesn't mean that that couldn't be Alicia's child. We talk a lot about found family and adopting, especially in this series, because there's been so many children in the recent seasons that have been adopted. So your kid doesn't have to look like you to be your kid. Just saying. Well, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm glad I prefaced it by saying I don't think it is. But the fact that it was said makes me think, Okay, well, now it's in my head. I can't not think it now. And so when I saw it, when I first watch these episodes, I make distinctive note of how I felt about something in that moment. Okay, when Sherry comes out of the car and it's Dwight and the mat, all I could think of was the comic book storyline where she becomes the leader of the of the saviors. I make note of these first impressions to kind of bring you back to your first impressions of what you may have thought of in that moment. And so when I saw that, I could not say that I instantly thought of Alicia for some reason. Also, the thought that she may be dead as well, and thinking, oh, this is this is the last remnants of Alicia in my head. I, there's a lot of things happen in succession, and so what would that mean for Victor as well? Like, okay, this is the last remaining portion. This is what's left behind after Alicia is gone, let's say. And I'm not saying she's gone either, but I'm saying I'm entertaining all these possibilities. So of course he would want to make her stay the best. And like, if he finds out, it's like, I have to protect her. I'm not willing to sacrifice for anything. That's all these things came rushing to my head about what Victor would feel like too. And the lengths that he would go to try to make even peace with Troy, somebody that from his perspective, in his experience was completely deranged. So it's like he would go to the ends of the earth to protect this child because it's Alicia's, that's her offspring. That's the last remnants of her. (laughs) Dave cried. Almost, actually. I don't know what it was. Listen, Alicia was never my favorite character, ever. What's great about her character, and I've said this before on the show, but I haven't said it in a while, I can appreciate the character so much because incrementally she got it over time. Those first three seasons were tough. Third season, you felt like, okay, interesting, interesting. And you know what? You can compare Alicia a lot to Dove. Dove's whining this episode. We've seen Alicia do that. Okay, she almost got everybody killed on the boat <laughs> with the rate calling out on the radio. You know, I was like, oh, there's people out there. Anyway, my point is really that she grew over time and she grew on me over time. And so by the time you get to this point, same with Daryl, by the way, I was never a Daryl fan. The, the sudden prospect of him dying actually caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, no, what? No, it's Daryl. I think it's clever when you can do that with a character. Just doesn't get you at first. And like over time, it kind of grows on you. And now, of course, Daryl Dixon comes around. I'm like, I'm in love. I'm, in love. I'm a Daryl fan now. What's up? Welcome. What's going on here? Welcome. How did that happen? <laughs> Welcome. We're so in happy dog- to have you. <laughs> Was it in Dog We Trust? Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. The shirt. Sorry. The shirt Charity's wearing right now for the audio podcast. No, that shirt was picked out at the Woodbury shop in Sonoy, Georgia. Which you can get from their website. You can. Isn't it the Woodbury shop or woodburyshop.com? Woodburyshop.com. And it is P-P-E. S-H-O-P-P-E. As in yeah. ye old yeah. Woodbury shop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ye old shoppy. Okay. So let me just read a couple comments before we move on because we're going to move on. Did you guys see the Orphan Black Echoes episode yet? No, because I'm busy doing this thing for you. <laughs> yeah, guys. we're talking about Fear the Walking Dead. I've got to watch the episode like three times. When am I supposed to watch other things? No, I, I'm psyched for it though. I I, I was a huge Orphan Black, Black fan. And American so I, or British? What? There's a British version of Orphan Black? I thought there was. Am I crazy? Yeah, you're crazy. It was filmed in Canada, in Toronto, Canada, mostly. So. I don't know. Maybe I am nuts. We'll revisit that. G. Wilson says, Strand setting all this up in the same room Madison was trapped in since she came to Padre. Yeah, because you see him, the draping or whatever it was, behind the scratches, marking the 
days Madison was in Padre and the cellar for Padre. Takir says, I checked and it still wasn't out in the USA. Oh, Orphan Black echoes. Okay. Uh, stay of the day. Maybe. Dewison says, the way I see it, Troy no longer has leverage over the main group with Strand having Tracy in their custody. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, good. Because with our group, they may make a better deal with Troy. And as we've seen in the last episode, it's quite possible that he might, he might make that deal considering all the people in tow, if he really does care about those people. G. Wilson's also says, to Madison being threatened by Troy and all the Padre kids and Frank and Klaus being threatened, Strand now has a bigger obligation to do the right thing. And I think he's going to feel that. And if it turns out that that is Alicia's child, he would even be further, just like Frank and Klaus, be further inspired to make sure this goes off okay. And G. Wilson's also says, I didn't mention this earlier, but I didn't even make the connection to the necklace in that scene with Sherry until he brought it up. Well, that's what we do well, now sometimes. you feel but hit over with the your head help. with it. Literally yeah, was we hit you over the head with St. Christopher Medallion. Which, by the way, we should remind everybody, St. Christopher is the patron saint of lost, lost, lost? Lost souls. Lost souls, yeah, yeah. I was going to say lost causes. I'm like, no, that's me. Anyway. I thought it was lost souls. Is it lost causes? <laughs> it's it's No, no, it's lost souls. It's lost souls, yeah. Or the lost, patron saint of the lost, essentially. And the tra- of travelers as well. Tier says, me and Bridget have been here for 13 years. Welcome, Dave. The Daryl fan. Yeah, well, you know. I was a fan of Father Gabriel from the jump. And now all of a sudden, because he goes, call me Gabriel. Everyone's like, oh, ginseng their pants. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're all posers and you're all sus. I am. And I bought my Father Gabriel shirt. So <laughs> suck it, Dave. <laughs> Uh, and of course, David Carranza, because I love him so much, because he loves me so much. I believe in David Cameron's supremacy. Listen, even I don't believe in that because wow. nobody wants that. It, go to the first AMA we ever did. It was very awkward. <laughs> that means going back in time, folks. Now I have to reference it in the blog. God damn it. Okay. Walking Dead Journal says, Troy reminds me of Joffrey from Game of Thrones and how he doesn't care about anything. See, I said that, but I'm recanting that. I recanted that in the last episode. He does care. But what do you guys think? He cares about his daughter. Yeah. I would not be avoiding watching someone slap the crap out of him two or three times <laughs> <laughs> but then he won't say all those clever lines anymore because he'll be traumatized he'll be, oh, oh. can you imagine daniel Sharman? Tyrion slapping joffrey never stopped joffrey from doing anything <laughs> that's true mm, so he just got up and became stronger oh and takir says i became a gabe fan during my favorite episode way way before calling me gabriel well prove it <laughs> i want to correct <laughs> Do you have a podcast? there is okay. no american version of orphan black no it's canadian yeah but it was produced by the bbc cbc oh yeah BBC America. Yeah, my dad had the DVDs and so they're in my house because I was like, I would like to watch that. And then I never watched it. And they had the BBC <laughs> logo in the corner. So I assumed when everybody was raving about it that there was some sort of American version like Becoming Human. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also refused to watch both of those. So I tried and then I was like, this is kind of boring and I couldn't get into it. It's a shame because Sam Witwer is such a great actor. And again, connection to the Walking Dead universe. He was the soldier that was in the tank when Rick in one of the, yes. was it the first episode, second episode? I can't remember second. which. Second. Sam Witwer. Who knew? Talented actor. Well. Great podcaster too. Very end of first. End of first. Because the beginning of the, second, the second episode is the radio with Glenn. Dumbass. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I have a really bad headache, so I'm going to go. I just no. want to say one more thing. Oh, no. The only thing that could have made this episode better is when they were all giving their names at the end. Dwight says, call me Dwight. And Dove says, call me Odessa. If June had just popped out with one more name <laughs> to go with her list, that would have made it perfect. So we have right. Laura, Naomi, June, JD, Blue Jay, and we needed something else to go right there. That's Ishmael. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Literary joke. <laughs> I mean, like, like Woodfinger. <laughs> <laughs> Woodpecker. Anyway. 
Okay. Well, June of House Woodfinger. I love you guys. I have a terrible headache. I gotta go. Mm, love you too. Well, join us in the chat if you can. I, I might. Go, I might no, do that. go get in the dark. Yeah. No, that's more likely. I'm very resistant and selfish. I love you anyway, Dave. If you are resistant, and selfish. She'll that's give you I a finger. Express Dave. my love. Yeah, I'll give you a Woodfinger. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I'll prepare myself. Thank you guys. I hope everybody has a wonderful night. I hate to bounce, but keep your eyes peeled on us for Secret Santa and Charity News. Love Bye. you. Bye. Good night, Sharon D. Feel better. Thank you. Bye. And with that, there were two. And you've only got me for another half hour. So. And then I get to do this by myself? You can do this by yourself. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And I don't know if there's even that much to talk about, to be honest with there's you. There's really not. We talked about the callbacks, which was, and I really wanted to talk about the doormat, so I'm glad I got to do that. And, um, <laughs> you really, now I get to list that doormat in our blog. You're welcome, For people everybody. to purchase. I got to see if Target has a referral program. <laughs> We gotta get paid. Can we be Come affiliates? On. Target affiliates. We're already Amazon affiliates, by the way. Wink, wink. Are we really? Well, in, in a manner of speaking, yeah. I don't think it's actually working for us, but. Well, you haven't <laughs> we'll linked see. anything. I have, but I'm stealth. Oh, we gotta tell me when you link things, Dave. Because if in I'm gonna blog. buy them anyway, then I'll buy it through your affiliate link. Well, guys, you should read the blog. And also, our blogs, even though I've tried to scale them back in terms of content, it's just full of literature. And if you wanna digest the podcast, that way you might as well in a sense because we kind of go through everything and even some of the editor's notes like I think I even mentioned do you remember in Anton that scene that you had said look shot for shot yes like the one in season six the holding yes well I put those two gifs together because they're gifs (laughs) side by side other than a cut that was made in Anton they cut like a middle piece out to make it seem like it wasn't the same recording it was also the way it was framed it was a same exact shot little color correction (laughs) they framed the shot so that their heads wouldn't be in it but it's the same exact shot now wait it could also be a a different take but the way the frittata lands on the plate is the exact same way thank you thank you vindicated Vindicated. another reason to you know what you don't have to read the whole blog but sometimes it's just worth skimming through a to see the gifs b to see the editor's notes c to, to get links to the references that we drop in this episode so that you can read them for yourself. And one of them is definitely going to be the song that plays at the end. And the Target the welcome mat, which... And the Target welcome mat. What an easy way to have a prop from the walking from Fear the Walking Dead. $13.99. And wait till Black Friday. You might even get it for cheaper it's than $13.99. Guys, we're doing you favors today. Make sure you use your Target circle number. I am obsessed. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. No, kidding. We I work for it's them. Bridges Apparently, Coupon Acres, right? don't. <laughs> I mean, was it cool to see the sanctuary demolished? Yes. Yes. It was amazing. (laughs) I loved that. Isn't there something great about the finality of it in that we're getting Mm. a little bit more finality in the Walking Dead universe? Well, in the Walking Dead specific flagship show. Yeah. And also for all our talk about saviors. And listen, the question still remains what happened to the saviors after Negan's fall. Some of them did go with our people, but what happened to the rest of them? Yeah. And so there's a little bit bit more of that in this episode, I think. And I think that's kind of nice. And even if 
there are still some, they ain't anymore. So, and they're not at the sanctuary at least. But you know what? Me mentioning the Croat in this episode. And it's interesting because when did that even happen? Now, that's it's true that it could have happened anytime in the, the years that followed Negan's fall. Croat's looking for Negan, etc. And then he sh- he runs into Jerome. When was that? Had to be before this because he couldn't have run into Jerome after that. <laughs> so, well, I mean, he could have. I guess on the road, but yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say I just assumed that where. he went to the sanctuary. Yeah. No, that was just like, that was a theory that we threw together, but I don't, mm. I, nothing was said otherwise. So I think that's all still kind of up in the air. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think if anything, like maybe one of these guys was a savior or knew the saviors and knew their MO because of the fire. That's the only reason that I would even remotely think that. The fire and I guess the metalhead walkers. But wouldn't people just come up with stuff like that on their own? Using walkers as a defense has been used by tons of different people. Can't so be unique. If right? you make them and they have more a forge. resilient in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have so. to you have to remember that you, they left a forge behind to make bullets, to yeah. do all these, to make the cast, to cast the lead on their heads, mm-hmm. etc. So of course, you know, you use what you got, and there must have been metal lying around that they could melt and smelt yes. and melt it and smelt it and who dealt it. <laughs> so there's a lot of things here. <laughs> there were some cool lines too, though, that kind of harken back to the time at the Saviors in the sanctuary, like Phil saying to Dwight at the furnace, now an example needs to be made, which after just flashing mm-hmm. back to Negan saying, there's always a cost, rules matter, who are you, Dwight? So that's another thing that Negan would say. Is he specifically talking about burning faces? Because the iron is still there and he saw Dwight's face and he's like, someone did a number on you. So I was curious Let's about that. One. But again, <laughs> this is all just conjecture. Who knows? These, pe- these people could just be schmoes off the street. Well, no. What, when I say that, I, I really only mean that just like the Finch thing and just like, oh, what was the other thing that I said was like almost fourth wall breaking? Like, I'm not saying he was saying that because Negan said that, but I'm just saying that it was said and it brings you back to something Negan said. So it's it's like that, come on, how on the nose can you be writers, let's say. Yeah. Well, even the way Marty, who happens to be the bald ginger guy mm-hmm. who greets everybody. He's a that guy because I recognize him. I thought him he was excellent. From other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, he's a that it's guy. that guy. He's definitely a that guy. He's definitely been on a lot of Tribune Entertainment or CBC because he has a sort of Canadian accent to him, too. I feel like he's been in like sitcoms and... I just, I recognized him. I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. I don't know about sitcoms, but definitely a lot of sci-fi, maybe. Maybe. I mean, the channel. <laughs> but Love it. Also, his behavior is kind of like Negan. He puts the gun away. He's not worried about getting shot. He just comes off as somebody who's like, you know what? I'm going to get these guys on my side, you know? And he sort of, that was his tact. This guy was convincing enough for Dwight to actually put down his weapon. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'll do this again, yet again, for another Negan to keep these people safe. There must be consequences. And share wasn't having it. That's another thing I really liked and wrote down. When she hears that Dwight went back to the sanctuary, her whole body language changes. Mm-hmm. She gets up, first of all, and her face kind of, instead of going, her eyes are wide open and looking around, he says the sanctuary. Her eyes kind of relax. She gets up. She turns into a badass, basically. She goes, nah, this, is, this ain't happening again. This ain't happening again. And then she just, she's, what does she say? Screw you, assholes. Something like that. <laughs> and she starts yeah, she just loses it, <laughs> which was great. Rather than have her husband be subservient so that she can remain, well, they, they kept each other safe at the sanctuary. She was subservient to Negan, he was subservient to him, and they kept each other safe from getting killed. Like, I just like that she was not about to let that happen again. Doesn't matter that Dove was shot. Doesn't matter that yeah. it's in a dire situation. I, I really particularly love that. And Walking Dead Eternal says, I literally forgot who started the Rick and Negan war. Rick's crew or Negan's crew? Doesn't really matter. Arguable <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> 
all that matters is who finished it. <laughs> Carl, tear. No. Technically. I know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. Poor baby Carl. Sweet baby Carl. I like the Dr. Carson references. June is exactly the same. And yeah, I mean, this episode wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been as good without the June stuff. That was like the sleeper. Because it's easy to see that June's the kick-ass lady. And it's like, I, I needed that extra turmoil that we got from that second episode of the season. Which is, again, really good episode. And there were, like I said, there were a few moments of clunky writing. There were a few moments of things that I was like, nobody washes their hands anymore? Nobody cleans anything? <laughs> Dwight pouring the alcohol? Nobody cleans. <laughs> Like, Nobody cleans like, anything at all. There were moments of that. But other than that, I felt like overall this episode was really well done. And it was a much needed reprieve, I feel, in the midst of the story that we've been receiving. This made me feel like, okay, it's not all bad. And also, it's an answer to the call we were making from season six and season seven, which I know season six was all about, at least for the most part, they had to film anthology style or they were trying something out. Mm-hmm. Season seven, they continued that. But then we were like, come on, we can't we can't handle this our hearts are hurting we need our people somewhat together and i at least for this season for most of the season my heart was hurt i think like out of all the critiques you could have about the season the one thing that they at least got right in the last half is that for the most part you got a nice chunk of people acting together and the fact that it was dwight sherry june at least mm-hmm. having that return from the second episode was it like a call and response no it's like a canon in music a canon is like a familiar phrase in music so having that gang back together again to kind of heal from that episode I thought well, that was again, very nice they're wrapping everything up they're tying up all these loose ends they're mirroring things and bringing pieces of the story full circle so I'm glad we got this episode and it made me more hopeful for sticking in there for these last couple because I mentioned before it's yeah I get really fired up on these episodes and I'll and I'll talk a lot of trash and I'll I'll get loud and angry but really I've been hurt over this yeah. I don't want to be treated like an idiot and sometimes that's how this feels and and I was hopeful that, okay, so we brought Madison back. I I wasn't 100% on board for that, but fine. I didn't hate her as a character. I liked the you first watch three seasons. I've told you before, season three is my favorite season. I know, I know. You're like my saving grace, by the way, when we talk to, talk about Madison. It's like, okay, just thank God you're here. Even if you don't like her or whatever, no, season, at least you still appreciate her. my favorite season. And there are parts of her story arc that I really enjoyed. And I loved her family. Whether or not that meant I loved her all of the time. No, I've expressed my issues with her character and the self-sabotage and the- oh, I like that you framed it that doing way. Doing things to- I put my family 100% first, but that means that I'm willing to screw over every Tom, Dick, and Harry to get there. And something yeah. about that rubs me the wrong way. But but there's like a value in it. Yeah, all of there's that to be said. Something redeeming about that. So you brought her back. I wanted this to be redemption for a lot of people, and we weren't getting that at first. At least if we were, the writing was so ham-fisted that it felt like, okay, get it? Do you get it yet? I'm gonna say it six times. Do you get it now? <laughs> Which was in this episode, but we don't mind. So it was easy for me to feel really disappointed. This redeems it a little bit. I'm feeling a little more hopeful. It's not 100%. It's not It's not what I would have done if I had been in this job and been in this situation and written for this. First of all, I'd leave because it's too hard. It's super hard. It's you know, really you're not going to please everybody. But yeah. But do more of the show, don't tell. Please yeah. give us a little bit of that in this last couple episodes because we're not that dumb. I mean, some of us are, but the overwhelming majority are not. Yeah, and some people do need that that help. And again, this is why 
we're here too, even if some of the episodes are obvious. I mean, we have a lot more fun with things like tales or well, especially tales because it's not easy to see some of the grander narratives too. But listen, on the note, as you were talking, I did notice one thing and it's prevalent among not only, so we're talking about Madison, but some of the high protagonists and I would consider Morgan a high protagonist. Essentially all of our people, all of our survivors, the ones that we follow, the ones that we want to succeed are our protagonists, but high protagonists are like Rick Grimes. Sure. And I'm going to consider Morgan Jones among that, right? Well, he was on this show for as well. a season. Uh, and I don't mean like a literal season, but I mean for a period of time. For a time? Yeah, yeah I know. For every season, there's a... <laughs> anyway, I know what you mean. But what's interesting about all of them is that let's see how you are when you lose your children, let's say. So losing Carl, let's say, for example. Morgan losing Dwayne. Madison, because you, as you were talking about why Madison does what she does, because you loved her... You, as a viewer, loved her children. So it seems like even if some of those decisions were poor, you know why she was doing it because you love them too yeah. but she loves them more so she's willing to go further than you normally would for those children but this season has all been about and you know whatever the last episode of the last season it's all been about well what does Madison look like without them and it's it's interesting because it's the same as Rick and Morgan points this out before he leaves for Fear the Walking Dead sorry Rick points this out to Morgan I had my son this is right after he was saying to all those savior remainders in the bar in season 8 episode 15 I want to say a man's word is only as good as whatever. I forget what it was, but and then he proceeds to kill all of yes. them, which is something that he probably wouldn't maybe wouldn't normally do. He would keep his word, if not for his son, to be an example of somebody for the future. So you're getting that with Madison this season. This is the only thing that I like about, yes, they are doing a little show don't tell by way of Madison being awful because she hasn't, she's rudderless. There's no reason for her to really keep on the narrow other than trying to prove herself to these new children. And she has to figure out that you need to bring that Madison for these children at the very least. How interesting then that she immediately leaves. What? But I love that you said that because it's exactly what Dwight does. He realizes that he's the problem and he leaves. I get that. And thank you. And for once, I was like, you're right. You should dip. You've only made things worse. I'm mad that you made things worse and then dipped. Thanks. <laughs> but but I like that there's a myriad to this. Yeah. Yes, you made things worse. Or yes, Dwight, you tried to make things better. Or June, no matter how hard you try and how good you are at this, at healing people or whatever just wasn't enough and there's a, a strata of this feeling and this behavior yeah. that i'm really admiring and you need it it's a canon it's a repeating theme i guess what i hoped out of this was one i wanted redemption for strand because season seven was just <laughs> entertaining why. to say the just least why. just just why is all i have to ask about it because strand had made so much progress as a character and there was so much character development there and we just immediately undid it and i i expressed my concerns at the time and my my discussed for those decisions at the time, but I digress. I wanted redemption for him as a character because we know him as a con man. That's all he's ever been. And I wanted to see that softer side of Strand that we've always known is there, that we've seen in moments for seconds, and then we lose it. And so I wanted that, but I also, I did want redemption to some degree for Madison. I wanted her to put other people first. Other than her and children. And we still haven't seen that. <laughs> it, but you know, Dave, 
believe that in those situations where she's putting her children first, it's not because of her children. It's because of their ragingly unhealthy codependency on each other. Hmm. Madison more so. It's more on Madison's side than anybody else because Nick leaves because he's like, you're messed up and you're messing me up. And then Alicia has to be like, you can't focus on anyone but Nick. So I have to go. They both leave her for those faults that she, those huge flaws that she has as a person, which is fine. Everybody has flaws. You know, and I've argued this before. And what I liked about her is that she let them, which gave me even more of a dimension to that character because you could easily say, oh, she's willing to do anything for a kid. See, that's why I never, I never go quite to the conclusion that she's codependent. She knows how to leave distance, which I, I will attribute to her being a guidance counselor. Okay. She has the wherewithal to know when to step back, but I like that there's that duality Mm -hmm. is that as long as they're around her, or even if they're not, she'll give them the best chance at surviving and figuring things out for themselves. I think you can always argue too that some of it is emotional manipulation on her end to some degree. Like, sure, you can think that what you're doing is your choice right now. That's fine. (laughs) There is some of that. And I mean, she has a background in psychology. Of course, she would be able to manipulate people. It's in the writing. But I say all this to say, I really do hope that there is some sort of redemption for her. And I don't just mean redemption for this wheezy mess that we have, but I mean redemption for season one Madison. Redemption for this character that I didn't hate, that I didn't love, but who grew on me. I wanted to see what happened. Much like Alicia did for me, I I suppose. Yeah, I wanted to see what happened. I wanted to know what happened. I wanted to know if she and Travis would make it. I wanted to know how how any of this would go. I, I wanted to see it all. It's the reason I even watched this show, despite the fact that a lot of people moved over from Walking Dead to this and said, nope, not for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You said it was all going to be about the outbreak and I only saw an entire season of it, but I'm going to say it wasn't enough. It's never, it's never going to be enough, right? <laughs> you guys. But you know what? I think more than redemption, I'm absorbing what you're saying. I think for me, going back to what I said before and maybe marrying it a little bit with what you said about Madison, I think less about redemption for me is, is finding out who do you become? It's the age old TWDU question. The Walking Dead universe allows you to to be the person you were meant to be, right? Yeah. Which on fear is a little bit wonky. It's definitely there. It wasn't as much there in the first three seasons. And I always acknowledge, at least with the first three seasons, is that this is all about a normal, albeit dysfunctional family na- in this bubble navigating through this apocalypse there that they're in many ways attuned to because of their dysfunction or whatever, but they're a normal family. And then season four comes around. And it's like, okay, now we're turning into these, the walking dead universe is what you were meant to be. And now they're a part of it too. They got broken up. Nick dies. Alicia becomes this other thing that you got hints of in season three, but now she's becoming something more becoming a leader, let's say, Mm. or trying to and falling short, which again, I like, I like these incremental knockdowns, get ups, trying to figure that out. Maybe I'll be like strand a little bit and uh, be brutal and I'll shoot a bazooka, a rocket launcher at Althea's truck or whatever it is. My point is there's a little of that. Now it's Madison's turn because she's been stealing babies for however long. Okay. But again, this is not her stepping into the universe just yet. Now she is. And without her children, this go around. So who are you now without the very thing that was your signature move, which is protecting your kids or making sure that they had the best chance, whatever it was. That's what I'm excited to see. It doesn't have to be redemption for me. People will say the Walking Dead universe for me as a person that views it. Oh, what would I be like? But what you were meant to be doesn't always mean it's a good thing. It's like Simon. That's what you're meant to be. Oh, yeah. And maybe you try to grab the, the brass ring and you fail or I've you said fall this short. Before. I've said this before. Like we all envision that we'd be like Daryl, right? Like that's your hope. Like I'll be 
be like Derek. <laughs> Guess what? We're all orange backpack guy. At best, you're the orange backpack guy begging for begging help. Begging for help. And, and then worst, dying. And then your backpack You're is the stolen. governor. You're Philip Blake. Figure it out, folks. <laughs> Figure it out. Be real with yourselves. Confront your narcissism. Okay? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that. I do want to remark on one thing, and that was at least because who knows where we'll go next. But I like that. First of all, Dove gives the business to everybody saying that you can't help me. It's totally realistic. How is a kid supposed to believe in their own future if these people can't believe in theirs or believe that she has a future? Mm -hmm. So there's that. The other part of that is that obstinance that children have, that unrelenting optimism that they have to have because they don't know they're going to die. They still even on death's door, they they think that they're not going to die. So that's legit. Like, I'll do it myself. But then you realize once you lose a lot of blood and you're getting woozy and about to pass out. So it takes us to the end in the furnace when she goes, June, I don't want to hurt you. Dove says, then don't. And Sherry says, you can do this, June. What happened to you, et cetera, et cetera. And then Dove says, but basically I boiled it down to, I like literally paraphrased Dove. It says, you can tell me after you've done the surgery, basically. And so I write, what choice do I have but to trust you? You're literally my best shot. She says, do you trust me? June says. And in my head, I'm like, I really have no choice She's but to like, trust I'll you. She's like, I'll tell you so, after. I, I, yeah, tell me when I'll tell you after I'm alive. So, well, because that's the thing you die. Well, <laughs> I t- what does it matter well, if I trusted well, you or I, not? I trusted you anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but it, I liked that. But even that I liked, yeah, I liked in a weird line. way. Right? I did. I did. I liked that in a weird way because it's, again, in, in a way it's fourth wall breaking. But it, in another way, it's something that we spoke about with Phil again, is that sometimes there's some characters that go, that walk into this universe like Wes in season five. And he kind of looks at all these people with all their hope and the impossible is possible stuff. And he goes, what are you talking about? This is awful. <laughs> this is awful. I have trauma for my brother and he, him dying supposedly, but no, he's back in season six. But anyway, like, well, how did that happen? Well, the impossible is possible, folks. God damn it. These guys are right. How are they right? <laughs> They're like fairy tale characters. My point being is that sometimes you need characters like Jay or Dove or Wes in this universe to be like, to keep things interesting because it gets really serious. And sometimes you need a little levity. So Dove giving them the business to me was, yes, equal parts dramatic because she, again, Jayla really brought it this episode. Episode. I like that she didn't hold back. I know it seems annoying, but to it me, it was sincere. really authentic. Watch the interview. Sorry, I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah, watch the interview. I'm not say yeah. Anymore. yeah, let's watch really the interview with Phil McLaughlin. That yeah. uh, Phil shares about this, and it's yeah. poetic, and uh, yeah. that's all she wrote, folks. So G. Wilson says, I've been liking Madison more on her own for the reason that's been brought up. I get being overprotective at the very start to a degree, but I also like her opening up to others. Yeah, and gradually she does, even to some of the people that we don't like. Like, who's the elder Otto? Oh! <sighs> Uh, on on Deadwood with her. Um, <laughs> I don't let's know. move on. Just, I'm embarrassed. It's just, I'm so it's embarrassed. Anyway, it's Lois and even Kalataka Walker. She she opens up a little bit to him too. Well, and then she ends up opening up to her kids after that. My favorite, Madison Jeremiah. Thank you, thank you, Walking Dead. Thank you, thank you, Walking Dead. Eternal. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> my, it is a tough name to remember. My, for I'm goodness so sake. My favorite interaction that Madison had probably of all the seasons is in the bar with Strand. Oh, when yeah, she opens yeah, up to exactly. Strand. So. And it would be the first person she she opened up yeah. to. What does she have to lose, really? Think about it. Yeah. And the second season in the hotel bar, right? Rosarita? Mm-hmm. Mm. Lois says, I feel like it's just work to her and we're not getting the Madison we know. Fair point in a way. But again, all the things I brought up, I'm getting the sense that this is the Madison that is without her kids. And we don't know who that Madison is. I'd like to get to know her. And I think she would, too. I think she's having a hard time finding her footing right now. And I think that that, in a way, is authentic, too. As much as we don't like it at the time, on the ground level. I think there's something interesting about that. 
to me. The more episodes progress, the more I'm starting to get it, even though I didn't like it at first either. David Cron says, Madison feels like a side character, anti-hero. Agree with both, actually. Mm -hmm. Side character and anti-hero. But I agree, let's give her a proper redemption at least that last three episodes. Of course you would say that. You're a very sweet boy. I'm going to say that <laughs> again and again. But then again, you cannot please everybody. Also true. I know they're trying to, and I know they're paying some really great fan service in the last few episodes. So kudos. Where kudos are due. Takira says, I love you guys. Well, I love you too, Takira. Hey, Shauna. Shauna. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Dave. Hi, Shauna. How are you? We missed you. It's been a while. I haven't seen you since uh, Dead City, I think, right? I'm on these live streams? No, she's been around. Oh, I must have missed her. <laughs> Listen, I can't please everybody, right, David? G. Wilson says, I just want Madison Strand to have a drink at the end of the series. They've been some, they've seen so much stuff since the hotel in season two. Listen, it's what we want, but man, I don't know if we're going to get it, but we'll see. Guess what? Do, 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 if you like what you heard? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what I was doing there. I don't know there. what you were doing either. It was weird. Well, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead, five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't like, and please remember to tell us that what we might have missed and remember to tell us after every episode and wherever you feel deemed important, whether it's Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, even Spotify has rate a rating system. So that's very, and it's just stars. You just put the stars. But tell us after every episode. And if you really like what we're doing, head on over to either Kofi or Patreon. It's ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy us a coffee to get the unedited episode recordings and you don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month. All we ask is you follow us so that you can get our recording schedule. You can get the little tidbits or at least notifications along the way about things that we're doing in the background. But should you tip us, you will get the unedited episode recordings and you'll also get the Dave's notes at the end of this live stream for that went into this episode, which has been pretty. I've gotten some good feedback on that, which thank goodness. And when you join a membership tier, you'll get instant access to our Discord where we can have extended conversations. You'll definitely know when we're planning to have a live stream or a pre-recorded episode because we make that information public in our logistics channel. Take that next step. Join a membership tier for as little as a dollar. You can get into our Discord and have further conversations with us that are off topic too. We have an off topic channel that you can create a thread on. So again, ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. And again, just follow for free get the schedules for free and join us for free. One of the perks that you receive when you join a membership tier as a whispers or survivors tier, survivors get to join us in our episode breakdowns is shout outs at the end of this episode. And those survivors so far are at Elisa Jones 71 on Instagram or at Jones AG six on Twitter or X fan art Lindy. You can reach at ko-fi.com slash fan Lindy. And of course our benefactor and <laughs> lovely man at real Ryan GM on X or Twitter. Moving on to our whispers tier members. We've got quite a few at Judith.Morton on Instagram. Our longest running, I should say this because it deserves to be said, our longest running, I think, member. Oh on our oh, platforms. Awesome. I should mention that. Aiden Atkin, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin at Tyler Philip Cox on both Instagram or X <laughs> at Sandy.D.Morrison and at Lois.Martin.54 who is here tonight. Thank you for so much for being here, Lois. On Facebook at I found them Rick G on X or Twitter, formerly Twitter. That's Mitchell, y'all. And of course, Kim Rowley on Facebook. Who is that? Kim Rowley on Facebook. <laughs> We love you. <laughs> it was the best. And we love you too. So thank you so much for being here tonight. And man, I'm starting to feel it, guys. We got one episode. Aww. 
And then the week after we have two in a row. I don't even know how we're going to tackle that next, that last episode. If we're going to, I think we're just going to tackle it all in one go. Mm-hmm. Those two episodes, I I don't see there it being any Not other with the way. Holiday. Even with the break, the big break that we have between now and then. Uh, between now and February 24th is when supposedly The Ones Who Live is, is coming to your eyeballs. Don't worry, folks. There'll be plenty of content in between, including oh yeah, our fun Christmas stuff, but slash not Christmas. It's just holiday. Just yeah. say holiday, Bridget. Okay, bye. Holiday stuff. So thank you all for being here, and we'll see you very shortly. And look out for the interview that we did with Phil McLaughlin, the director of this episode, and filmmaker who made a short called Toad Boy, which hopefully we can, by the time this comes out in the blog, we can point you to a streamable copy, maybe, or at least have it show in a city near you. So take care. Good night. We'll see you very soon. And hey, I'm loving Fear so far. Really enjoying it. Let's keep that fanfare going. I have a story to tell about Elvis, because you guys talked about Elvis earlier. It's really quick. So when my brother was not born yet, um, my dad was driving and he said to my mom, I really want to pick a regal name because my dad was British. And he's like, I want like a really regal name, something kingly. And from the backseat, four-year-old Bridget goes, name the baby Elvis. And my my mom was like, why? And I was like, because he's the king. (laughs) just, it's a good story. And that's why she is on this podcast.